Good evening. Well, good evening. Welcome to this, uh, speci this special evening in the life of Nazarene Bible College. Uh, we have the privilege of hearing the eighth annual report from President Harold Graves. We also have the privilege of sharing space with God-called men and women who are in the process of saying yes to whatever it is that God has in store for them. Amen? Amen. Amen. We also have the honor of um, sharing this space with uh, the 26 members of the Board of Trustees that represent uh, the Church of the Nazarene from all across the country. So students, I want to introduce you to them. So if, if board members would stand, we'd like to welcome you. Okay, and then just one other welcome, everybody that is a student here at Nazarene Bible College, we want to just acknowledge you. Would you stand, please? Okay, as we begin uh, this celebration time, this uh, report time, um, this part of the life of the college, uh, we need to pray. We want to acknowledge God's presence and help him and ask him to help us hear and see what he has for us to hear and see. Stand with me, would you? And let's pray. We acknowledge your presence, Father, and we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the life that you've given us in Christ. Life eternal, life abundant, life everlasting. We give you praise. Amen? And we give you thanks, too, for, for having the grace to call us to be your children, but also to call us to be your servants. We don't deserve the honor. We're not worthy of the opportunity but you asked, and you're helping us say yes, and we give you praise, amen. And so now we ask collectively, help us to hear and help us to see and help us to be uh, what you have in mind. This place is your place. We are your people. And we want to keep in step with your will for us, for the college, and for the world. And so we ask for the grace to help make that happen. We do pray especially for President Graves and for his, um, for his leadership, we give you thanks. For his willingness to serve you, we give you thanks. And we pray for an empowering, uh, not just for the moment, but for the years to come. And we ask you that because we know that you will make it so. So accept our prayers, accept our concerns, accept our gratitude, and help us to sing praise to you, we ask, in the name of the one who makes all praise worth it, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Well, wouldn't you like to thank Chaplain, Chaplain uh, J.C. Nails for leading us in worship tonight. Amen. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. They got one of my favorite songs coming up next, and uh, we'll hear that in just a moment. 
We do have some special guests tonight with us with a special, special presentation. It's great to have Dr. Marilyn McCool and her husband, Reverend David McCool. Uh, Dr. McCool is the general treasurer of the Church of the Nazarene, headquartered at the Global Ministry Center in, in Kansas. And uh, it's just wonderful to have her with us tonight, as well as Mr. Ken Roney, who is the president of the Nazarene Foundation and his wife, Lynn. Would you folks please stand so we can acknowledge you tonight? Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Cool has a very special presentation uh, that she would like to make to NBC tonight, and I would invite her to come now at this time. Would you welcome Dr. McCool? Well, good evening. It, it's so wonderful to be with you, and we just thank you for the privilege of being here. Um, as you know, the Lord works in wondrous ways, and uh, his will is accomplished through many people. And uh, it's my privilege tonight to share a story with you that we are privileged at the Global Ministries Center to know about and that we in turn want to share with you. And Dr. Roney will be joining me in a moment. But the foundation of the Church of the Nazarene has been a blessing to the church uh, since its um, inception in 2004. It's been able to facilitate many gifts um, that people uh, give for the future, even when they're alive. And there was one such man I want to talk to you about tonight. So the Church of the Nazarene is filled with generations of people who have given their lives to serve the church in many kinds of ministries around the world. And some of these servants have also generously given back to their beloved church, even if those years of ministry were, were not um, really the the big uh, six figures, they were frugal and they loved their church and they are giving back um, through planned giving and designated gifts at the end of their earthly journey. Well, the um, Global Ministry Center, the general board actually, was humbled to receive a sizable charitable gift annuity distribution from G. Fred and Grace E. Bertolette. And you know, they were song evangelists in the Church of the Nazarene for many, many years, and some of you may know them. And to honor their memory of their lives and their service to the church, we prayed about this for about a year because um, the Bertolettes gave to the Global Ministry Center to build the building. Well, if you have a charitable gift annuity at the Church of the Nazarene Foundation, you are probably going to live to be 100 or 105. And Dr. Bertolat did outlive um, us building the building. He outlived us paying off the building. And so when his gift came to build the building, <clears throat> and I, I prayed about this, I went to the Board of General Superintendents, I talked to Dr. Roney, and I said, we really need to do something that honors their life and their ministry. And so we have chosen um, the Nazarene Bible College to establish, we have established an endowment in the name of the Bertolettes to um, benefit NBC students, ministerial students pursuing evangelism ministries. And we hope that through this endowment, the Bertolettes' sacrificial gift and legacy will live well into the future 
through those students who will be um, equipping themselves to go reach others with the good news, whether it be in the spoken word or music or both. And uh, at this time, you get a chance to see Dr. Bertolette and hear him. Dr. Uh, McCullough visited him shortly before his death, and uh, Dr. Bertolette was just still writing charitable gift annuities. And uh, you will just hear this two-minute clip. You'll see his face and see his heart. Retired evangelist, Reverend Fred Bertolette, gave his heart to the Lord at an early age. His father, an accountant, taught Fred that tithing and giving to the Lord was a key part of his spiritual life. As a young man, Fred watched his father counsel clients on their finances and began to look for investment opportunities. Reverend Bertolette committed his life to reaching the lost. When his wife Grace became too ill to travel, he took every available opportunity to minister to others in hospitals and retirement homes. As the carefully placed investments grew over the years, the Bertolettes were able to establish a solid financial future while returning to the Lord with gratitude, a substantial part of their earnings. Through the Church of the Nazarene Foundation, Reverend Bertolette was introduced to charitable gift annuities. And the best of it all is, I have the joy of giving something to the church that I love, the church that has done so much for me to help promote the kingdom of God. Committed to higher education and evangelism, Fred has established several charitable gift annuities that provide significant tax benefits, an income for the rest of his life, and a legacy that will impact Christ's kingdom. like to have Ken Roney join me at the uh, podium and we have the actual endowment here that we are going to fund in the amount of $100,000 and it will go into the foundation tomorrow And, and Dr. Roney can probably tell you how an endowment works, but um, next year we hope the market does well, and uh, there will be a distribution next year of um, the 5% uh, uh, spending policy. But we don't want you to wait for a year. We have two live scholarships we'd like to present tonight to kind of seed this for you. And uh, we checked with your president and they advanced um, two names to us. And we'd like to call the first one. T. Shane Weaver. Congratulations, young man. Chance J. Peter. 
May the Lord bless you as you continue your preparation. And one of the things, if Dr. Burlett were here tonight, he called his wife Lady. And Lady and Fred were a team. And so as you go into your ministry, you may find that you have a significant team member that helps you as well. Thank you. God bless you. Praise his name. You may be seated. Good evening. Eight years ago, uh, we were in transition. And um, some of you were there in those days. And you remember that the times of prayer, seeking. God's will, seeking God's leader. And in the course of the prayers and the direction of the Holy Spirit, a young man who had been born to Betty and Harold Graves was selected by God to lead this great institution. Harold Graves needs no introduction to any of us. I've known him as a friend, as a colleague, as a pastor, colleague and a district superintendent colleague. I've watched him as he has grown spiritually and the depth of understanding uh, that this job necessitates. It's my privilege this evening to present to you our president, Dr. Harold Graves, Jr. God bless you. Well, thank you, Chairman Rogers. For you who do not know who that was, that was the chairman of our Board of Trustees, Roy Rogers, District Superintendent of the Georgia District, was reelected today as the chairman for the next four years. So thank you for that introduction. I um, heard Tim Stearman tell this story, and I don't, I don't know if it's a preacher story or if it's just true, but it was a... Uh, it was good. And um, Tim told about a, a political rally that was happening up in the mountains. And I'll not say which mountains, so I don't offend anybody here tonight, but it was up in the mountains. And a politician was giving a rousing speech. And over in one corner section of that crowd, it seemed to be kind of an amen corner. They were just hooping and hollering and carrying on everything the guy said. If he, if he just looked at them, they hooped and hollered and carried on. And at the close of the speech and the crowd was dispersing, a reporter on the scene decided that he'd just find out who these people were and why they were there. So he made his way over to one gentleman and he said, Sir, what did you think about the speech? The old boy looked at him and he said, Well, I didn't come here to think, I came here to holler. <laughs> well, the day Tim told that, it was really funny to me. <laughs> In fact, I laughed for two or three minutes. It just hit my, I don't know if you guys were there that day, but that just really got me. Uh, 
Vic, I don't know if I'm going to try to work this thing or not. Um, I'll give it a shot. If I, don't, if I don't make it, can you take over somewhere? You ought to practice this before you do it. <laughs> it's, so we're going to try this. Well, I just wanted to say that I trust that my eighth report will be a time that uh, will be thoughtful and celebrative. In other words, I, I hope we can think and holler a little bit here tonight. Um, hear the word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing the nets. Jesus called them. And immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Our chapel theme for this year is found in Matthew 4.19. I really appreciate the leadership of our chaplain, Reverend Jonathan Nels, in selecting this passage. You see, the calling of the first disciples embodies our mission to glorify Jesus Christ as Lord by preparing adults to evangelize, disciple, and minister to the world. When Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, he called out to Peter and Andrew and James and John. We notice that Jesus interrupted their work. It, it wasn't in the synagogue. It, it was while they were working. It was in the routine of life, if you will, that Jesus called to them. These men were not men of great scholarship or influence or wealth or social background. They were not poor people. They were simple working people with really no great background. And certainly anyone would have said with no great future. They might, have been, they might have been the people we would have not chosen, really, to change the world. But Jesus did. It was as he said, give me 12 ordinary men, and with them, if they will give themselves totally to me, we will change the world. You see, the scripture says that when Jesus called, at once they left their nets and they followed him. I read one author who said, we shouldn't think that this is the first time they had met Jesus. More than likely, they had encountered him before. So it wasn't a compulsive thing for them. They had heard him. Perhaps they were at his baptism. And they knew there was something very unusual about him. They had listened to him and, 
And it was at this moment, at this time of decision, that they accepted the challenge and followed him. You know what? So often, this is who we are. This is who our students are. Going about their daily lives, they hear the call, and they face the challenge to throw their lot with him. Well, you don't have to believe me. Why don't you listen to a few of them? Chance, where are you tonight? Chance, would you come up here a second? I want you to meet Chance Peter, one who received a scholarship tonight. Chance, I want, us to tell, I want you to tell us a little bit about your call. Where, where, where were you from? Uh, I'm from uh, the former called uh, Sudan, but now they're divided into two. Uh, they're called now the Republic of Southern Sudan. So, How did you feel a call to ministry? I've been called for ministry. I've been here for now for four years, uh, joined the NBC in uh, 19, uh, 2010. So this is my fourth year as a senior NBC. So. And tell us where you were when you heard the call to follow Christ and to serve him. I hear the call since I've been uh, in Sudan, but at that time I not fully submit to myself to Christ. And then when I come to USA and then I've been joined the uh, Church of Nazarene in Grand Rapids, Michigan, my pastor Joe Knight helped me to nurture me to grow little by little, try to explain to me how unique the church uh, to be accept the Christ fully in there. And then he advised me to come here to NBC to equip me fully to know how to be equipped to help other people. So that's why I make a decision. And then 2009, 2010, no, 2010, yeah, I joined the NBC. So here I am. So. <laughs> Let me ask you this. What do you feel like God's calling you to do with your life? The uh, obedience to the God's calling. So um, I want to be a pastor to help people as a loss. Um, I feel like a lot of people need God's word, especially back home. Um, I feel like a lot of people need God's word. So I, my heart beat for them every day. So when I look back, it's really hard, heartbroken for them. So when I finish, I hope I want to go back to what I learned. I want to go to teach them how to live like Christ like. Amen. So. Have you learned a few things here? Alas, <laughs> but a lot of challenges too. So a lot of. <laughs> have you have you learned to write an exegetical paper? That's a hard work. Yeah, I, I learn a lot, but still I'm still working on it. So. 
I learn a lot to write work, paper works, but still, uh, because my, this is my uh, second language, so I struggle to, to work on my English and then my exegetical paper, so, you know, bilinguages, uh, bilingual is a hard work, so, but I manage myself, so up to this stage, I will say I'm progressing, so. Well, I pray for me too. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just give you a presidential privilege that the next paper you write, you write in your native tongue. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Where's your family? Rhoda, Rhoda and, and kids, would you stand so that we can acknowledge you tonight? This is Chance's family. Shane, join me here on the platform. Uh, Shane and I share something in common. Uh, I lived in Amarillo for a while, and he is from Amarillo. Tell us a little about your call to ministry, Shane. Well, it's a good place to be from. <laughs> um, I, I have to say that, you know, I, I felt a, a calling to the ministry at a very young age, and uh, I ran from it uh, more because of the acknowledgement of, of my homebody uh, not really supporting me and pushing me toward ministry. Um, it was my father-in-law, whom you know really well, uh, Ray McDowell, um, who I contribute uh, the, really the push uh, to do ministry and uh, had the opportunity to serve with him uh, in Orange, Texas. And during that time, I was a, uh, in upper management in the uh, wheel and tire industry. And really, when I said yes, uh, it scared, the, scared me to death. I was sitting in a sales meeting with a bunch of the other managers, and, and I just zoned out. And it was during the time that I should have been hearing the projections for the next year. And when I came back to the meeting, I completely missed everything that our owner had talked about. And so I thought I was in trouble. And I felt a still, small voice just tell me, don't worry about it, you're not going to be here. And... Um, so I started to, um, okay, Lord, do I get up and walk out now? And he said, oh, no, 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 no. You, you let me do it in my timing, and I'll, and I'll make sure that it's done right. Um, I had the opportunity to have lunch with my father-in-law, and, and I told him that I'd been feeling some, some uh, pulling and some tugging um, on my heart and really shared with him my desires. Um, I was reading, uh, leading an outreach ministry, uh, inner-city youth and young adults, and, and was doing a devotion every time. And I had the opportunity to see lives changed, inner-city youth and young adult men. Started with 13 guys, and when I left, there was 37 guys consistently on a Monday night. Um, you didn't get to play ball unless you stayed for the word. And that was kind of the rule, and, and the guys respected that. And so I noticed my devotions turning into full-blown sermons. And... Like I said, lives were being changed. People were coming to me for counsel. And I, I, I just asked the Lord, who am I? And, uh, and he said, you're the one that I'm, I'm wanting to use. And so I had lunch with my father-in-law. At this time, I was an interim worship pastor for him. Um, our worship pastor had lost his wife. So I was leading worship uh, for him and uh, had lunch with him. And, and he said, uh, the church board is, is ready to hire you if, if the worship pastor doesn't return. And I said, that's great. And he looked at me with all the authority he had, and he said, but I won't. And I said, that's great. And, and he told me, he said, no, he said, you don't understand what I've been praying about for you and the direction of your life and, and your family. And as hard as it was for him, I had two of his grandbabies uh, right there going to church with him in the same town, under the same roof. Uh, they lived with us. 
He told me I would be in complete disobedience if I didn't tell you that you're not supposed to be here. You need to go and do your schooling so you can get things taken care of because God's got a pastorate for you somewhere. That scared me to death. I didn't know what to do with that. So he said, we have a couple that's going uh, to NBC in August, and I'm not sure you don't need to be there as well. And that was in 2010. We visited in June, I believe. I sat in your office in June. Told Krista when we walked out, um, we would know if we were going to be coming or if we were going to be uh, staying there. And uh, when we walked out of the office, uh, out of Dr. Graves' office, after he spent so much time making sure that my children and my wife were taken care of in that meeting time, spent little time with me, he had the best interest, was my family. And for the president of the college to take that into consideration when I'm the best interest for the college, um, that blew me away. And so that, that really was what landed us here. Um, so. Well, thank you, Shane. And Krista, would you stand, please? This is Krista. <laughs> Proud of you, thank you, thank you. And I want to introduce you to a couple, Denny and Wendy Cox, or, or I haven't seen you come in. There you are, Denny and Wendy. Um, this is a husband and wife team here. And Denny's looking like he's trying to look like Godwin. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about, about your call. Uh, to, to come to NBC? Well, uh, we're from North Alabama, which according to Dr. Lambright is another country. <laughs> um, I, it was on the Tennessee River. Um, Wendy's aunt, uh, Burnell Posey, which I know um, a lot of you probably know, she planted a small seed in us. Uh, she mentioned to us, um, about coming to school here. And it was so subtle. She just, have you ever thought about this? At the time we were, uh, we had just started the business and we were very involved in our youth ministry at church and we dismissed it for a lot of reasons. But mainly the reason why was we had, um, both of us had some harbored sins that we were carrying around. Um, so over the next four years, those harbored sins turned into um, some very serious crisis in our marriage, um, in our emotional states, and um, through that, we sought counseling, and that was not too easy. We sought many counselors. And we, um, we were healed. Our marriage was healed. God healed our marriage um, and healed me emotionally. But through all that process, we realized how difficult and how great the need is for counselors, for good, godly Christian counselors. And Wendy, I was sitting at my office at work one day, and Wendy called me, and I don't even remember exactly the words, but she just made the comment, well, do you, have you, do you ever think about that? I was like, what, you know? Well, go, you know, what ain't, ain't Burnell said? Well, that just started uh, 
an avalanche. We went home, we started talking about it. It was just nonstop on our minds, on our thoughts, in our prayers. We, we sought counsel. We, so anyway, we, yeah, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Um, so we put out a fleece, as all good Nazarenes do. Um, if our house sells, then we're going. So we put a sign in the yard. I'll never forget that day. I bawled my head off. Um, it was my mom's house. Small, rural town. We knew everybody. Everybody knew us. It was a difficult decision to put that sign in the front yard. But we did, and he sold our house at top dollar, very short time, and it was just so evident that that's what he wanted us to do. So after some phone calls with Dr. Lambright at 9 and 10 o'clock at night, again, um, we started the process to come out here. And um, best thing we ever did. Wendy, tell us a little bit about the experience now that you're here. Well, we've been here a little over a year and we've had fires and flood and we're still alive, so it's a positive thing. Um, it's actually been confirmation after confirmation that we were supposed to come here. Before we left Alabama, we bought a container full of ramen noodles because we thought we were going to starve to death when we come out of here. We had never visited. We didn't have jobs. We just came out, packed it up, and came out. And when we got here within a week, we had a place to live, and we both had jobs. And we haven't been without since. We have two teenagers, and that's a little rough on them, but they're making it fine, and they love it now here, too. So it's been a great experience. Amen. We could do this all night. And for those of us who are here, day after day, we hear these stories. And it really truly illustrates what Nazarene Bible College is all about. And you know that. Because some of you are sitting in this room tonight, shared a similar testimony to what you heard right here. And I want you to know that the reason Bible College came into existence is what you just heard. Not what I'm going to say, but what you just heard. And I can tell you that it is the inspiration for all that we do. All that we do. What you heard tonight keeps us going day after day. And we love our students. And we thank God for their commitment to hear the call and drop the nets and follow him. John F. Kennedy once said, we must find time to stop and thank the people who make a difference in our lives. While there are many people worthy of recognition for significant contributions to Nazarene Bible College, there are four that I would like to celebrate in this report. The first one is 
Dr. John Nels, District Superintendent of the Southwest Native American District Church of the Nazarene. Now we did the records. This morning you gave us a report kind of off the top of your head. We dug into the records. And I can tell you, Dr. Nels, that you have served on the Bible College Board of Trustees for 25 consecutive years. And we would like for you to come forward, and uh, we want to we we want to present you. And I'm going to ask the chairman to do this. We want to present you with a plaque acknowledging your 25 years of service and friendship and support for Nazarene Bible College as a trustee. We celebrate Dr. Ron Adig, Professor of Communications and Spiritual Formation. For 40 years, sink that in, 40 years of faithful service as a faculty member at Nazarene Bible College. I know of no other person who has more knowledge of NBC, more passion for the mission of the college, or love for the students and alumni than Ron Addick. Professor Addick, we, with grateful hearts, thank you for giving of yourself to the mission of preparing students for ministry in the Church of Jesus Christ. So we'd like for you to come forward at this time. to read what it says. The Nazarene Bible College Board of Trustees recognizes Ronald L. Attig for 40 years of distinguished service as a faculty member at Nazarene Bible College on this 25th day of September, 2013. God bless you, Ron. I'm going to ask Dr. Tom King to join me here. I want to celebrate Dr. Tom King. He's the director of our Bible and Theology program, and he just completed the new Beacon Commentary on the Book of Leviticus. Now, I was hoping that we would have the nice plaque from NPH tonight, but uh, uh, Bonnie Perry uh, had an incident with her family it's okay, it was a baby born to her daughter and they had a little complication and she couldn't make it. But I want to acknowledge you tonight, Tom, for your scholarship, for your humble spirit. I think if I was as smart as you, I, I, I couldn't be that humble. <laughs> I'm 
just, I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> That's not in here, and I should stay with the Spirit. I honestly say this. Any man that can write a commentary on the book of Leviticus... What can you say? I mean, but this is what I know. Our students often refer to the passion Dr. King has for the Word of God. And the way in which he brings the Old Testament alive when he teaches. We're thankful for you. For your faithfulness to the Holy Scriptures, your commitment to our students, and your deep love for Jesus Christ. Thank you. also celebrate Mrs. Shirley Cadle. Uh, where's Shirley? Shirley, would you stand tonight? I'll not have you track all the way up here, but we, we celebrate her accomplishment for completing a Master of Business Administration to go along with her certified public accountant status. And she did this MBA with a concentration in accounting from Indiana Wesleyan University. Did it online and I had accounting in college. <laughs> and with the Lord's help, I got into ministry. <laughs> <laughs> but surely we're so proud of you and, uh, and this great accomplishment in your life and, and for NBC as well. Thank you for for uh, doing that with the difficult task that you have. And then we celebrate the ordination of Chaplain Jonathan Nails. Reverend. Reverend Nails was ordained as an elder in the Church of the Nazarene at the Southwest Native American District Assembly in June of this year. Um, I, I happened to be there. It was a privilege for me to be there and watch my brother ordain you. And uh, we're just really proud of Chaplain Nails, a member of the class of 2011 here at NBC. He is the first alumnus of Nazarene Bible College to hold the office of chaplain at this college. And we're very proud of Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. Tom, uh, Thornton Wilder wrote, we can only be said to be alive in those moments when our hearts are conscious of our treasures. Let me repeat that again. We can only be said to be alive in those moments when our hearts are conscious of our treasures. And we've seen some of our treasures tonight. And we celebrate them. 
We also have cause to celebrate our effectiveness in fulfilling our mission to glorify Jesus Christ as Lord by preparing adults to evangelize, disciple, and minister the world. We celebrate the 118 graduates in the class of 2013. This includes 83, 88 who completed the Bachelor of Arts in Ministry, 10 who completed the Associate of Arts in Ministry, and 20 who completed a certificate program for ordination. We celebrate that among the Church of the Nazarene USA colleges and university, Nazarene Bible College had the second most students indicating a Nazarene preference in 2012. Um, that's the list, and this is the graph. We're second. Now, when you look at percentages, you take the overall enrollment at the eight liberal arts colleges and universities and Nazarene Bible College, and you determine what percentage of their student body are members of the Church of the Nazarene, there you go. I think it's a stunning graph. We celebrate that among the Church of the Nazarene, USA colleges and university, NBC had the most students completing a program in religious studies in 2012. See if I can get to the list. Um, I'll not read the list, but we were at the top of the list, and you can see the graph. That's completing a program in religious studies at any of the undergraduate Nazarene institutions of higher education in 2012. We celebrate that among the Church of the Nazarene USA colleges and universities, NBC had 48% of the students completing a program track in pastoral ministries in 2012. Now, I'm going to show you a graph that is, I think is just stunning. Can you, can you, can you get that? Uh, there's not a mistake at the end of that. They didn't have any. They didn't have any. I, I want to say this, and I say it to you as friends. The Church of the Nazarene has never needed the Bible College more than it needs it right tonight. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, straight up, we're the ones putting out the pastors for the church. Period. So we have much to celebrate and be thankful for at Nazarene Bible College. G.K. Chesterton reminds us that when it comes to life, let's see if that's, did I get it? I went too far. When it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. We should never take for granted the purpose of Nazarene Bible College, the people who work so diligently to fulfill that purpose, and the students who hear the call to come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It's time for class. 
and I'm halfway through my report. Will you forgive me this one time? I didn't hear a lot of that. I, I think the amen came from the students and not the faculty. Kelly Morgan wrote, changes are inevitable and not always controllable. What can be controlled is how you manage, react to, and work through the change process. Three years ago, Dr. Gary Stride accepted our invitation to serve as Vice President for Academic Affairs. He gave experience and exceptional leadership to our accreditation review with the Higher Learning Commission, to the reorganization of the academic enterprise of the college, to the revision of our strategic plan and the mentoring of our next academic dean. The impact of Dr. Streit's leadership can be seen in the reaffirmation of our accreditation with the Higher Learning Commission for 10 years, the efficiency of our academic structure, the simplicity of our strategic plan, and the appointment of Dr. Alan Like as our Vice President for Academic Affairs. The transition from Dr. Strike to Dr. Like has been seamless and effective. Dr. Like has served in a variety of positions at NBC during his 18 years of service to the college. He has served as a faculty member, chaplain, director of the pastoral ministry programs, the Dr. Eugene and Faye Stowe Professor of Pastoral Care, and the Dean of Online Education. The reorganization of the academic structure integrated the online and campus delivery systems into one academic organization. That's a mouthful, but it's key, and everybody that lives here knows it's key. Dr. Like's knowledge and experience with the two delivery systems makes him uniquely qualified for the position he now holds. I am pleased with the leadership he has given. The academic enterprise of Nazarene Bible College is in experienced and capable hands. I'd like to recognize Dr. Alan Like and his wife Marilyn tonight. Would you please stand? A pressing concern and a priority of the Strategic Planning Committee is enrollment of the college. The decline in degree-seeking student enrollment is reflected in both the campus and online delivery systems. During the first decade of the bachelor's program, 1991 to 2000, the average enrollment was 414. In 2009-2010, we had 636 degree students the largest enrollment since 1978, and the largest since offering a bachelor's degree. Last year, we had 487 degree students, which was the smallest enrollment since 2001. This year, we have 438 students in traditional degree programs, 21 in the new Hispanic pastoral ministry degree program, and 13 in the new associated Associate of Arts in General Studies program for a total of 472 in degree programs. We also have 393 students in the certificate program for ordination in the Church of the Nazarene. 
In December, the cabinet met with John Dysart, president of the Dysart Group. Mr. Dysart is a national expert in enrollment management, having consulted more than 150 colleges and universities in more than 35 states. After meeting with Mr. Dysart, we agreed to engage the Dysart Group for 18 months. Mr. Dysart's first assessment of our enrollment process reminded me of a favorite film of mine, Field of, Field of Dreams. You remember the story of Ray Kinsella, who hears a voice saying, if you build it, he will come. You remember that? So he's walking through his cornfield. And he does build it. And they do come. And, and I would suggest that perhaps that's been our philosophy at Nazarene Bible College. Build it, and they will come. We took care of the people who found us. It was a passive approach to recruitment and enrollment management. And the limited pool of people seeking an undergraduate degree in ministry and the growing number of options available requires a more active and available enrollment process. So Mr. Dysart has led the college through a reorganization of our enrollment management team. And today we are implementing a more assertive, personalized, and coordinated enrollment process. Let me give you one example of something that we should have said, duh, but we didn't. We opened a call center and we made our calls during the day. When Mr. Dysart came in and met with us, he said, how many of your potential students are home during the day? Well, probably not many. He said, why aren't you calling them at night? Now that seems like a simple, and it probably was the simplest one to fix. But the truth of the matter is, we had to change the way we were doing things. And I am pleased to see the synergy created interdepartmentally as we have implemented the plans and procedures introduced by Mr. Dysart. The business, financial aid, registrar, and enrollment management teams have worked together with positive results. And I want to commend Dr. Matson, who delayed retirement to help us implement this, and his enrollment management team for implementing this new structure. Now, enrollment in the degree programs remains a significant challenge for us. But we are aggressively addressing this challenge and working diligently to improve student recruitment, enrollment, and retention. I like what Charles Udall had to say about this. In life, you will always be faced with a series of God-ordained opportunities brilliantly disguised as problems and challenges. Perhaps the most challenging concern we have, worked, we have worked to overcome has been the reduction in support from the Church of the Nazarene. Shirley Cato, Vice President for Finance, reported overall funding from the General Church World Evangelism Fund has decreased 
from 2005-06 to our current year. This is a decrease of over $600,000 during that time. And we understand the reasoning behind this, and we appreciate both the $850,000 contribution from our church last year and the anticipated increase of $30,000 this year. However, we also know that our current method of locating and retaining students is not keeping up with this decrease in revenue. In the past, the denomination discouraged an office of advancement and development at NBC. The rationale was related to the support received from the denomination as a world evangelism school. Now the denomination has relaxed that position on development and advancement, in fact encourages us to do it. But let me just tell you, it takes time to build a donor base to overcome those deficits. And we just haven't had the time. Uh, please know, and I'm a churchman. Somebody said, I'm a, I'm a pastor in a different assignment. And, and we deeply appreciate all that the church does for this college. And we're grateful for the support. But this has become a critical issue for us. In fact, if you look, that's the annual offering. So it is kind of coincided with the drop in support from the World Evangelism Fund. And we've worked and we continue to work and we will continue to work to make up these deficits. But I would be less than honest with you tonight if I did not tell you that it has been a mountain to climb. I recently read about a young sailor at sea who ordered uh, to climb, who was ordered to climb a mast to adjust a sail during a violent storm. He got halfway up, looked down, and got dizzy and sick. An old sailor on the deck shouted up to him, Hey, son, look up! Look up! Don't look down! And so he looked up and gained his composure and completed his mission. As we face the challenges before us, it is of utmost importance that we keep looking up. Amen? Keep looking up. Or as Phil Robinson would say, be happy, happy, happy. You don't know who he is, you, you, you're out of the touch with what's happening in the world today. We need to keep our eyes focused on the mission and not lose heart. Listen to me. Not lose heart. As I begin my eighth year as president of NBC and my 20th year as a member of the NBC Board of Trustees, I'm reminded of the words of Ellen Barrier. I believe challenges are God's way of strengthening us mentally and spiritually, and yes, physically. After having won each challenge that confronts, confronted us, we are wiser and stronger. 
These past few years, I have sought to be faithful and diligent in fulfilling my responsibilities as president of this college. It's always my desire to leave with a positive, wise, and yes, joyful attitude. They get tired of me singing in the office at times. I consistently remind people that Nazarene Bible College was ordained by God and we are stewards of God's college. The college belongs to God and His will will be accomplished. This year I have traveled to date 41,000 miles representing the college at 14 district assemblies and the general assembly and various other meetings. It's always encouraging to meet our alumni and students as I travel across the country and sit in airports. Their heartfelt affection for this college helps me to get on another plane and wait in another airport and climb that mountain. I don't know how, but in February I was elected to the Association of Biblical Higher Education Board of Directors. I wasn't even at the meeting. Maybe that's why I was elected. I don't know. <laughs> I'm grateful for the students and administrators, faculty and staff that make up this college. And they make it so special. For my loving wife, who lets me get on those airplanes and only occasionally complains. But thank you, honey, for your encouragement and support. I'm grateful for the Board of Trustees and the reassurance you give to me and to this college. boy, you can do it. We're going to make it. So in closing, I, I, I'm reminded of the words of Thomas Merton. To be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything he has given us. And he has given us everything. Every breath we draw is a gift of his love. Every moment of existence is a grace, for it brings with it immense graces from him. Gratitude, therefore, takes nothing for granted, is never unresponsive, is constantly awakening to new wonder and to praise of the goodness of God. For the grateful person knows that God is good, not by hearsay, but by experience. And that is what makes all the difference. God bless you. One of the privileges that is mine because of the office I hold allows me the privilege of listening to men and women who never attended Nazarene Bible College but serves on this board and because of the experience, the interaction with Dr. Graves, his beautiful wife, and the students 
this college is unbelievable. I can't tell you how many times since last night and this afternoon this morning that I heard someone talking about the ethos that's on this campus. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a product of God's Holy Spirit at work in this place, on this campus, and it is led back to, by Dr. Harold Graves, Jr. Dr. Graves, we cannot explain or express the love and the gratitude that we feel for you, and uh, as it was so eloquently said earlier, the package of Cheryl and Harold Graves. Would you join me one more time expressing our love and appreciation for us? Let's pray together. We have sensed your spirit, mighty God. You are in this place because you live in our hearts and you desire to make us holy. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the calling. Thank you for the celebration. Thank you for our president's challenge to be grateful and for the way he has exemplified gratitude for the great things that we're seeing and your hand upon us. Lord, we have every reason to be grateful and thankful now bless us, but make us a blessing, we pray. Don't bless us for us, but bless us for others. In your holy name we pray. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.